Welcome in, everybody, to the Off With The Helmets show. This would be show number 312 for me, Brady Tinker, for Off With The Helmets, but it's show number one as I have gleefully joined DSP Media online. This is where I want to be. This is the hottest media group in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you need a podcast with information about your Dallas Cowboys or sports throughout the Southwest, this is the place to be. And both, by the way, we have shows in Ohio and shows in Tampa, and we are going to be all over this great country, but I'm happy to be here. Number one, as a proud member of DSP Media Online, this week we will do 30 fast-paced minutes of information for you about the Dallas Cowboys. It's what I always did on Off of the Helmets. Normally we were in a restaurant like Del Frisco's or Macero. Now we're in studio and happy to be here. I'm going to give you all the inside Cowboys information from the locker room, from my other media pals as I kibitz back and forth with them about who's doing what and what's really going on here, mixed with conversations from you. I'm going to have conversations with you. So as this show goes along, right now we're one 30-minute show a week. If it needs to be five, it'll be five. And the thing is, you will matter. Callers we're going to take. This one's taped, but we'll begin doing them live. Callers will matter. Interactions will matter. Um... Tweets and texts will matter. All of that that comes from you will be played into this show. So we probably won't be 30 minutes. We'll probably make it to an hour so we can get all of you involved. This is going to be an interactive thing, just like when I was in restaurants. You give a damn about the Dallas Cowboys, and I'll tell you what you want to know. It may not always be what you want to hear, but I'll tell you what you want to know. I'm Brady Tinker. If you want to follow me, at DFW Sportsbeat. And for some reason, I have another Twitter handle, at A Cowboy Life, where I used to tell stories. Facebook, DFW Sportsbeat, and a Cowboy Life as well. Are you ready? Let's get some Cowboys information in your ears right now. Okay, let's get to it. We will start kind of from the beginning because this is our first show together in this Cowboys season, so we're going to do a brief recap of where we stand. And it's actually pretty surprising, isn't it? Item number one, the Cowboys lost their opening game to Tampa in Dallas at AT&T Stadium, 19-3. It wasn't shocking. It was disappointing. And the quarterback got hurt. Bad thumb. Tom looked pretty skinny, but there a lot. Playoff Lenny ran the ball up our team's ass, which kind of surprised us. Evans is back. Julio is now in Tampa. Of course he is. That team is loaded. Godwin finally getting healthy. It's a fast, really good defense. It's a pretty good offensive line, but maybe not as good as we thought. And since Kansas City put 150 on them on the ground last week, maybe the defense isn't quite as good as we thought. Twice in 10 plays, Dak Prescott's thumb got hit by either a hand or a helmet. The second time finally did it, and he had to have surgery, and he's out. And we're all like, cash the season. I honestly thought that. I thought, cash the season. The other thing I thought was, he looked hurt to me before he got the thumb injury. Did he not to you? Did you not see a sort of standing flat-footed interception thrown 15 yards downfield that was 10 yards short? That's a man who has lower body issues. We all remember what happened in 2020. A catastrophic ankle injury. Bones everywhere. Screws everywhere. All kinds of stuff going on. But he makes it back in 2021 and gets off to a very good start, right? They go 7-1. and one. They're the best rushing team in football. It's prime Dak Prescott territory, just like his rookie year. Run the ball, play some defense behind him, keep Dak in rhythm, and Dak is really good. And that's what happened for seven or eight games last year. Then a calf. And he quietly told us in the media one day, we're around the locker room, and he said, you know, this calf injury, whatever this is, I believe is certainly tied to my catastrophic injury of my ankle. Said it quietly. No one, None of us really followed up on it. None of us made a big deal about it. 
But I thought to myself, it's interesting that he would say that, not that he would admit it to himself or to Britt Brown or anybody else who's helping him get better, but it's interesting that he would say it to us. Why did he want us to know that? I found that interesting, and maybe I'm dissecting something. Maybe I'm a mindfuck guy. I don't know. But I just thought it was strange that he wanted us to know that. You can tell everybody else that. Just get better, whatever you got to do. But why did you tell us? So we would tell everybody else. And I've had that on my mind. And the calf injury really kept him from being very good at all in the second half of last season, as did kind of a dormant running game. The defense was very good. But last year didn't end how we wanted it to end. But we come back this year, and now he's got an arm issue, potentially in the preseason. He's got... Uh, a couple of different issues. Uh, he's got an ankle issue that ends up being, oh, that was just torn scar tissue on the same leg, by the way. All of this leads me to believe, as I sit and talk and watch this young man play football and be the leader he is for this team, that Dak Prescott is still hurt. Now, some of this may be <clears throat> mental and emotional as well. It was an unbelievably brutal injury. Can you imagine looking down at your own leg and seeing it go two or three different ways and knowing not only is your season over, but maybe your ability to walk properly or run or be an athlete. Now, none of that happened. He got back, and he got back probably sooner than he should have. But that was a major thing for Dak Prescott. And one of the things for me that's been lacking slightly in a man they paid this much money his entire time here is his ability to really assess the defense as he looks out there as his ability to realize as he comes to the line of scrimmage that option number one is already out of play. They're bracketing this guy or whatever it may be. Those things that you think when you watch the best quarterbacks in the NFL, the ones who get up and down the field at the ends of halves, at the ends of quarters, and the ends of games to get you the field goal you need, and you damn well can't stop them, right? There's how many of them? Six, seven in the NFL? Dak hasn't been one of those guys for me. And I think all of it plays into, I believe, something is still wrong with the lower half of Dak Prescott. And I think we saw that in game number one against Tampa long before the thumb. So that's a long way of saying, let Dak Prescott continue to get better. Hope to God he is telling Britt Brown and the trainers and everyone else around him and the doctors, something's not right. Because when you saw that throw that was 15 yards short in the first quarter of that football game for that embarrassing interception, I was like, no strength. And I know that this young man is strong. From the ass down is where all his strength is. He is so strong in his butt and his thighs and his legs. Or is he? Is this surgery still holding him up? No one's admitting it. Basically, none of my brethren in the media are asking the hard question either. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I'm watching a young man that I root for, that is a leader and a great man, and that this organization, not only monetarily, but marketing-wise, is depending on. Dak ain't going anywhere unless he can't play anymore. If he still has a major injury, then he needs to sit eight more games. I don't care how many games it takes because the truth is, the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll get to them in a minute, are really good. They're really set for this year. They've got 15 draft picks next year, three in the first round, and they're ahead. Right now, they're ahead. Now, it could change. If their quarterback gets hurt, everything changes for them too. But the Eagles are ahead. They're ahead this year, and they're ahead for next year, and probably the year after. So the Cowboys have to get everything they can get out of this team 
this quarterback and this outstanding defense. And changes are coming for next year as well because this coaching staff, Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, and Kellen Moore, will not be the coaching staff for this team next year. Mike McCarthy might still be the head coach unless Dan Quinn gets the job because he's done such a good job and the Cowboys failed a little bit in the second half of the season, or unless Sean Payton wants the job, at which point I believe he can have it whenever the fuck he wants it. And Kellen Moore might have already been fired towards the end of last year, especially with that debacle in the playoffs in terms of their inability to do anything on offense, except that Mike McCarthy has quietly, and I appreciate this, stepped up for this offense and stepped in for this offense. And what you've seen since the first game against Tampa, where you win three games in a row since, against Cincinnati. Now, they weren't great at the time. But they're good. That's a good win against the New York Giants at New York, who was undefeated at the time. Say what you want. The Giants are not terrible. And then against Washington, and they are terrible, especially Carson Wentz on the road. But three wins in a row saves the season. Cooper Rush looks calm and relaxed and like he knows the offense. You want a little background on why Cooper Rush and Noah Brown all of a sudden are guys that you're impressed with? Because Cooper Rush, Noah Brown, and Kellen Moore all came into the league as Dallas Cowboys, within a week of each other in 2017. And what were they all at the time? Backups, practice squad guys, guys barely hanging on to stay on this team. Kellen Moore eventually isn't the quarterback anymore. He gets hurt again, and he becomes the offensive coordinator because everyone's deemed Kellen Moore a genius, the boy wonder, the next young thing that's going to be big shit. Everyone's with that. I'm with that. Okay, if that's true, if that's what Jason Garrett saw when he first got here, and Steven and Jerry, and that's what everyone believes, then who am I? Okay. And it looked that way, didn't it? For a couple of years, it looked like Kellen Moore is going to get a head coaching job, and he out of here. doesn't look that way anymore. And the truth is, this really isn't a system offense, and maybe it needs to be for Dak Prescott. You know what I mean? Pat Mahomes doesn't need a system because he's fine getting flushed right or left or throwing the ball behind his back. But certain quarterbacks, you know what? Teddy Bridgewater is filling in this week in Miami and probably for several weeks in Miami. That is a system quarterback. Give Teddy Bridgewater a system and he is at his best. And I believe that that is the case with Dak Prescott. And you say, was rookie year, was it the system? No, because there hasn't really been a system under Kellen Moore. He draws up intriguing, wonderful plays that one works off of the other. What doesn't work when you don't have a system sometimes is what do we fall back on when we're not doing well, when we're not running the football well? And I think that's been the downfall of Kellen Moore, but he's still here. And lo and behold, what we haven't had really in almost all the time that I have been covering the Dallas Cowboys, we have a great defense. We have a great defensive coordinator who's going to get a head coaching job somewhere, whether it be here or somewhere else next year. So you got to get what you got to get out of this defense. And I hope that we're teaching it to someone else who's going to step in. I assume that's the case. Cooper Rush, Noah Brown, and Kellen Moore have stabilized this team because they've all been together for five years. And because Mike McCarthy stepped in to help the offensive coordinator and said, you know what? We're going with 12 personnel a lot. Essentially, two tight ends. What does that mean? Only two wide receivers. What does that mean? We're running the damn ball. It's 1978 all over again. It's what McCarthy likes. It's what he believes. And it is what you do when you have a dominant defense. And this is a dominant defense. It, it just flatly is. Zeke and Pollard running the football pretty well. And you've got to admit, they're running the football better than you thought they would, aren't they? Tyron Smith is out. L. Collins is in Cincinnati. Uh, there's a bunch of guys in this offensive line you haven't heard of, and Zach Martin's not exactly completely healthy at this point. Who's going to play? We don't know. I mean, the rookie can't play, right? Tyler Smith's not going to start at left tackle, only he sort of was forced into it. And you brought a 43-year-old in who can play on the left side, but he's 43 and he weighs 500 pounds. He is adept at his job. 
but he's an older guy. And other than that, I can read you the name of who's on this offensive line, and you don't know who it is. So is, if Terrence Steele gets hurt, they're probably in trouble. If Tyler Smith gets hurt, they're probably in trouble, and this season could be gone as fast as they've saved it because the offensive line is a depth issue. But the defense, Michael, Micah Parsons, Diggs, those are stars already in this league. Micah Parsons is going to be the defensive player of the year. It's almost like it's already written in stone. They kind of wanted to give it to him last year, but they give it to the Steeler. Micah Parsons is incredible. And what Dan Quinn is doing with him is exactly the right thing. You do not line a 250 or 60-pound man up at defensive end to go against 330-pound tackles all day. You know what happens? If you do that, he plays less plays. You move him all over the place. This is more than Lawrence Taylor ever moved around. You move him everywhere because he can be effective from anywhere, and he's faster than almost everyone he's chasing. And that includes running backs and wide receivers. It's incredible. Quinn continues to set digs up in position to get turnovers. Just two picks so far this year. But how many times have Cowboys been led by two or three interceptions in an entire season? Diggs gets 11 last year. Probably some regression coming there. But this team is also leading the NFL right now in sacks. This is a deep team. I'm looking at this defensive side of the football, and I'm like, it's incredible. The second and or third team guys playing lots because that's what Dan Quinn does. He's convinced them that his system works and will send a lot of them to the Pro Bowl, and if nothing else, will keep a lot of them in the league if they can stay healthy for between five and ten years. You know what that is? That's getting rich, and that's what Dan Quinn is speaking to when he talks to this defensive football team. When you look at the offensive side of the ball, C.D. Lamb didn't want to wear number 88. I'm just telling you the truth. He told the Cowboys, I don't want to wear number 88. He told his agent to tell them, and they put 88 on him anyway. Last year, he caught 57% of the passes thrown his way, about the same as Michael Gallup, but good wide receivers in the NFL catch 65%, 67%, 68%. Hell, Cooper Cup is going to get 300 balls thrown his, his way this year, and he's going to catch 80% of them. That's a high bar, but that gives you some perspective. 57% catches, not always on the wide receiver, but oftentimes on the wide receiver, cutting a route short, not finding the right spot in the zone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. C.D. Lamb was letting us down good part of last year and for the first two games of this year. In the first game, 11 targets to him, only two catches. It's awful, okay? Now, there three of them may have one-hopped him, but let's be honest. It's awful. And he looked like a guy who, in the back of my mind, doesn't want to wear 88. Second game, a little bit better. Seven catches on, I think, 14 targets, but still a terrible percentage. And then in week three, he wakes up a little bit. And all of a sudden, the targets-to-catch ratio is coming up. CD looks like somebody said something to him. Could have been someone in his family. Could have been one of his teammates, whatever. But somebody said the right thing instead of the wrong thing. And C.D. is now playing better. He's been very effective the last two games. Don't get it wrong. C.D. Lamb is not a staunch number one wide receiver in the NFL that you flatly cannot cover. And I don't think he ever will be. But he's a really good wide receiver, and he's the best this team has. And now that Michael Gallup has returned, that at least spreads the who's covering who thing. Okay, Dalton Schultz coming back will help that as well. So they're getting there. I don't know when Washington comes back, and I don't think it's that big a deal. But in his first two games, C.D. Lamb, nine catches on 22 targets. You can do the simple math. Not very good is what that is. In his last two games, 14 catches on 20 targets and his first two touchdowns. It's getting better. Now, when you look at this Cowboys schedule, you thought you were going to lose to Tampa Bay anyway. I mean, there was nothing great that came out of training camp. Why are players getting hurt all over the NFL? Because nobody hits anybody. Nobody tackles anybody. I don't know what you're ever going to do about that, but people getting hurt, teams being averages, offenses being bad, fantasy leagues being 
boring because the offenses can't get going are all because nobody touches anybody in training camp. And the Cowboys are in training camp where it's 68 degrees. They're not even sweating. So the only thing they really get done is when they bring in the other team, right? The Rams came in this year, and I think one other team came in there this year. And then what happens at least is our best are going against their best. So ones are going against ones. That's the most productive thing that come out, comes out of training camps these days because everyone is terrified that someone's going to get hurt, which is kind of funny because what happens in week one, two, three, and four? Somebody gets hurt. It happens all the time. I don't know what the answer is, and the, as powerful as the NFL Players Association is, the answer probably is nothing happens. Nothing probably happens, and this is it. So what you got to do? You got to do what Philadelphia has done right now and what the Cowboys are trying to do and what the defense has done. You got to be deeper than shit. You got to have two of everything or three of everything, and you got to continue to churn this thing. There are 17 rookies on this team. Mike McCarthy absolutely loves that. You remember the Dez catch year? I don't remember what year that was. 14. That year, Mike McCarthy was the coach in Green Bay, and 52 of their 53 players on that roster were homegrown. This is what Mike McCarthy's after. And there is something to unity, uh, consistency with people being on the same team. There is. You know, when you go in that locker room, and I'm lucky to have been able to do that for over 20 years, you absolutely feel clicks. You absolutely feel offense over here, defense over here. You absolutely feel those things. And the years when I don't feel those things, almost to a T, are the years when the Cowboys make the playoffs, when the Cowboys look good to you and you're proud of their team and they're not dysfunctional. Now, quarterbacks getting hurt, throw everything aside. And that's why this year is so special. In Romo's time, when Romo got hurt, season done, right? If Romo had to miss more than two games, the season was done. Well, Dak Prescott got hurt, and in comes Cooper Rush, a man who was released twice this season. A day before the first game, Cooper Rush was not even on this roster. They were so not worried about Cooper Rush getting picked up by somebody else, plucked off the wire by any other team in the NFL. They did it twice. And yet, here comes Cooper Rush, and somehow or another, you actually, in some ways, like Cooper Rush better right now than you do Dak Prescott. Now, you know what? If that's how you feel, don't say it out loud to anybody that you know, because Dak Prescott is a superior physical athlete, thrower of the ball, leader of men, and is a guy who is potential, potentially a top seven or eight quarterback in the NFL. And if you're ever going to go anywhere near where you want to go as Cowboys fans, he's the guy you need. The reason you like Cooper Rush right now is he knows this damn offense so well because Noah Brown, Cooper Rush, and Kellen Moore have been together for five years. They know everything about each other. They know what the other's thinking. They know how this offense is supposed to work. They know what plays are going to work. And Cooper Rush hits his third step or his fifth step, and the damn ball's out. He knows. He's not afraid. I don't know why he's not afraid, but the best players in the NFL, as we all know, are not afraid. So it comes out, and you're like, well, he's more accurate than Dak. He's better than Dak. He's not. He's not more accurate. Statistically, nothing says that. What he is right now is more confident and on time, which goes back to, is Dak Prescott hurt? And if he is, there is no hurry. You got the Rams coming, and I would have thought that was an L two or three weeks ago, same as you. It might not be. And the truth is, when I look at this Cowboys schedule, as good as this defense is, they will be live. They will, as the better say, they'll be live in every damn one of these games, even at the Rams and even at Philly, because this defense is really good. And this defensive coordinator has all these guys believing we can F up any offense. And I actually think it's true. I don't know if this is the best defense in the NFL. Let's talk week 14, but it's one of the top two or three. And it's deep. So look at the schedule. The Cowboys are now three and one. Hallelujah. How did it happen? I don't know, but I'm damn glad it did because for those of us in the media and at DSP media and the media around this town, life is better when the Cowboys are winning, when they're 
live. And they're live. So now the Rams are who you get next. Do you watch the Rams? Have you seen the Rams? They got a Super Bowl trophy. And other than that, they've lost several key players. Their offensive line doesn't look very good. Their best running back is coming off an Achilles injury in Acres. He looks like shit. Henderson looks bad. And the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, a local hero who all of us are rooting for and we're happy for when he won the Super Bowl last year, has an elbow issue, apparently, and he can't throw the damn ball to anybody that's not number 10. Have you ever seen anything like this? If you're watching these games, have you ever seen anything like this that wasn't in junior high or high school where the best friend just throws the ball to the best friend all the time? You know, you could run the old go to the tree and fall down play and you're just going to throw it to Cooper Cup and he's going to catch it. That's essentially what I'm watching. And if you've got him in fantasy, you're like, fucking A, 20 throws to Cooper Cup and 13 catches every week. I'm good. I'm going to win a lot of games in my fantasy league. But if you're in the real world, that ain't going to work. They're going to bracket him. They're going to make it tougher and tougher on him. No one's going to let him get deep by himself. No one's dropping coverage on Cooper Cuff. And at this point, they went out and got Robinson from the Bears, who I think is a number one type receiver, who's got about four catches on the year. The ball's not coming out on time. They're not able to run. And we all, all know, we've watched it, the Rams and San Francisco are sort of the same team. Really good defense with a lot of really good defensive players who can make plays and keep your score down. They run the ball and everything else comes off of the run. Only San Francisco is not running it very well and the Rams are running it worse. The Rams at home, SoFi Stadium, whatever the hell it's called. Isn't that the place where McCarthy couldn't see the clock and, and we lost a timeout because he looked up into the sun or whatever? I don't know. Hopefully they'll remember that and they'll fix that. SoFi Stadium is no big home field advantage. There will be twenty five or 30,000 Cowboys fans. There may be more. Come to Oxnard with us and watch the Cowboys and see how many fans show up out there every day, day after day, to watch a bunch of guys in shorts and hats walk around the field. It's a lot. L.A. is well represented because of Jerry Jones and because of what this team has done forever, all the way back to Tech Schramm, to make sure that California loves the Cowboys, and they do. So this they're live in this Rams game. But let's say they lose. Then they go to Philly. They're live in that game, too, I promise. But right now, Philadelphia is a top two or three team in this league, and they have the depth to stand behind it. The only thing that could really happen to them is if Jalen Hurts gets hurt. But what we saw from Philadelphia last week may have impressed me as much as anything because Jalen Hurts threw for 200 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick, and yet they beat a very good, I believe, Jacksonville team. So how'd they do it? Well, they didn't panic. Jalen Hurts didn't decide that he has to run around and make something happen every play like he did last year. He throws the ball to the new guy, A.J. Brown, right in the middle of the field. Dallas Godert's healthy, right? And all of a sudden, Devontae Smith, who disappeared last year, is alive because only one person's guarding him. It's hard to stay in front of Devontae Smith when you got him by yourself. And then last week, even above that, they went ahead and let Miles Sanders run the football. Miles Sanders has got talent. As a guy who looks at fantasy sports every year, I'm like, why the hell doesn't Miles Sanders do more? Well, you know, you know, because their quarterback runs the ball and he doesn't hand it off. But last week, he relaxed and he handed it off to Miles Sanders, who went for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And the Eagles showed the diversity that that offense has. If you think your defense has diversity, and it does, the Eagles offense has just as much diversity. There are playmakers everywhere, and somehow or another, Jalen Hurts, who's never truly been a starting quarterback really in his life, he's as untrained as it gets. He's still, what does Norm Hitchcock say, um, raw as uncooked meat, whatever the hell that is. I, I always love the Norm Hitchcock references, so I try them as often as I can. But Hurts, who is essentially in a contract year, because as I mentioned, the Eagles have three first-round draft picks. They can convert that into a first, second, third, or fourth pick and get themselves a quarterback, and Hurts knows it. And his agents have told him, everyone knows it. This is it. This is Jalen Hurts' opportunity to be a starting quarterback in this league. And they went and got him 
A.J. Brown, and it's helped. And Jalen Hurts is doing a hell of a job. And I don't see regression coming in Jalen Hurts at this point. He looks relaxed. I'm amazed. This is really, really a very, very good story. If you knew him at OU, if you knew him at Alabama, this is a very good story. And the Eagles are good. So if you lose to the Rams and you lose to Philadelphia, and I bet if you, that happens, both those games will be close and the Cowboys will have had a chance to win. You're still 3-3. Three and three. And this, then guess what happens? Detroit at home. There you go. Now we're going to get healthy. Hey, fantasy players, Detroit's coming to town. They gave up 39 a game. Then Chicago comes to town. Justin Fields is not an NFL quarterback, my friends. He only throws it about seven times a game, and he only completes two or three of them. It's terrible to watch. Now, the Bears will not roll over. That's not what that organization does. But you're getting two wins there. So all of a sudden, even if you lost to the Rams in Philly, you're still 5-3, and three, and Dak Prescott should be getting rest. Then you get a bye week. And then at Green Bay and at Minnesota. Again, two games that you could potentially lose. Stay with me here. Okay, we're going to go through this. As, as we go week to week and day to day, whatever it takes to get off of the helmets going to where you people want it, where we get phone calls in, text, tweets, whatever it is, whatever the interactions between us that have to happen, however many shows it have to be, that's the number of shows we'll do. But right now, we're sort of going through everything in show number one. It will be much more in-depth from show number two on. We will look at barely last week and mostly this week and what the hell's going on and who's doing what. But at Green Bay and at Minnesota, after the Bears and after the bye week. So you're five and three at Green Bay, at Minnesota. I'm, I'm just going to say, okay, it's okay. We lose those two games. We're five and five. Guess what? That's when Dak Prescott comes back to face the New York Giants, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Houston Texans at home. You run off three wins in a row with this defense standing behind you. You tell Dak at this point, please tell me this lower body feels 100%, that you believe what you're doing, that you're not going to get on the edge on an eight-yard run and take a full header because you don't want contact in your lower body. That's what we saw in game one. I never want to see that again. And if this is your guy, this is your guy. And if this season has to be sacrificed to a point, then it does because that is your quarterback. This is Jerry Jones's team. These are the Cowboys. The marketing is built around him. The offense is built around him. Dak Prescott's the guy. You cannot keep sending him back out there. Send him back out there the week after next, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be pissed, and you should be too because you're going to see it. You're going to continue to see the deer-in-the-headlights look of a man who's got a lower body issue and is not giving himself enough time to get past it. Or maybe there is no getting past it, but I don't think that's the case. So if you are five and five and you lose to Green Bay and Minnesota, you get the Giants, Indy, and Houston, you get well. You're eight and five. Here we go. Here we go. The Eagles are winning the division. Unless something catastrophic happens, I will go through the Eagles schedule for you to convince you the Eagles are winning this damn division. But if the Cowboys are eight and five, then they're at Jacksonville, won't be a rollover, certainly. And then they play Philly and then at Tennessee and at Washington. What I see there, even if you lose to Jacksonville and Philly, you win against Tennessee and Washington and you get 10 wins. And 10 wins will get you second place in the NFC East and will get you a wild card game, maybe even the top wild card seed in the NFC. Because the truth is, look closely, the NFC is not that good. You are not in the AFC. You're not going against the five best young quarterbacks in all of football. You're in. Excuse me, you're not in the AFC, you're in the NFC. You can relax. You've got time. And one thing that I do know is, while this is an offensive league, and hallelujah for all of us who love fantasy football, when you get in the playoffs and you watch that Super Bowl, Cincinnati's defense, while not thought to be great, played damn good football. Cincinnati had a lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. They played good defense, and they had skill position players, and that game slows down. The bigger the game, the less points there are. Otherwise, Kansas City would have won four straight Super Bowls. 
right? It's the best offense with the most dynamic quarterback, with the best weapons. Now Tyree Kill is gone, but Kansas City otherwise would win every year if it was all about offense. The truth is, when you get in the playoffs, it's about defense. And how much happier could you be to have this defense and this defensive coordinator? You could say, oh, I could use Randy Gregory here. We still got $20 million under the salary cap that we could have spent. Now, I think he just went on an IR, but the point being, there was room for another good pass rusher here, and you could just inundate people with guys coming off the edge. I had someone said to me, no, 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 no. Would have taken snaps away from Dorrance Armstrong. Pass rushers coming off the edge really at their best are 25 to 35 snaps guys there's room for three or four pass rushers i promise you i wish randy gregory was here i really do now you don't believe that the eagles already had the division i pissed you off I'm not trying to the eagles are four and oh they play at arizona dallas at home and they have a bye week and pittsburgh mm-hmm. houston mm-hmm. washington mm-hmm. at indy uh-huh green bay okay there's one Tennessee at home, uh-huh. at the Giants, not afraid, at the Bears, not afraid, at Dallas, let's say Dallas wins that game, New Orleans, good defense, they can't score a point, and the New York Giants. Can you not, if you went through that and counted that, that up with me, they might win 15 games. At a minimum, they're winning 13, and your team's not. It's just not. Depending on how soon Dak gets back and how healthy he genuinely is, the Cowboys will be live in every game they play this year, but they ain't winning more than 10 or 11. Even the sun shines right on your ass and makes you feel good every day. That's it. So get used to that fact and get used to the fact you want to get in the tournament and you've got two running backs. We haven't talked about this. you got two running backs in Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard that are essentially in contract years. Are you not always secretly happy when your favorite NFL team has a lot of guys in contract years? You're nervous because they may leave next year, but you also know you're getting the best out of them. Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, right? It's a contract here. He's betting on himself. I'm not disparaging anybody, but we all know it's true. Contract years bring out the best in young, superior athletes. So here we go. Um, Zeke Elliott is in, a, in the part of his contract, the best contract maybe ever written, where the Cowboys pre-March, I think, can cut Zeke and not take too big a hit, and they're going to. They're just, they just are. I know how much you love him. He's done almost everything you could have wanted him to do as a cowboy. We were worried about his issues or the way he would act as a player or a member of this team. All of that has been put aside. Zeke has been a great cowboy, but his body's been done for essentially three years. The Cowboys will cut Zeke at the end of this year. Tony Pollard is at the end of his rookie deal. And you're like, well, he hadn't had that many carries. You, you definitely keep Tony Pollard, don't you? Why wouldn't you? Well, because he's taken four years worth of hits. And even though his carries are one fourth, of what Zeke's are, you probably don't sign any running back in the NFL when he's going into his fifth year. Don't we all know that now? Don't we all know that? Don't we know that the way the offenses are set up to defense a passing game, that running backs can come in from round three, five, and seven and have an immediate or almost immediate impact on a team? We do know that. So the chances that Tony Pollard stays here, plus do you look at Tony Pollard and think, if they wanted to, they get 25 touch a game Tony Pollard. I don't. Still slightly built. He blasts through the hole all the time, and it looks great, and I like it, and I love him in the slot, which they don't do enough, and I love all of his athleticism. He's also small. He's SM all. They are not re-signing Tony Pollard. So you've got two running backs and a makeshift offensive line that somehow or another, because of this head coach, give him credit, 
and this offensive coordinator are able to run the football, are able to play at the pace that they want to play it. It's just not what you and I are used to. This ain't Romo pace. This ain't Dak in his first two years pace, and it's not going to be this year. So as we come to the end of this show, I want you to know that I am thrilled to be doing Off of the Helmet Skin. Absolutely thrilled. I am honored to be working with DSP Media. We talked three years ago about getting together, and we just couldn't get it done. And now this is an organization with 21 podcasts, probably be close to 30 by the end of the year. This is where I want to be, and I'm thrilled to be here. So Off of the Helmets is back on the air with Brady Tinker, and however many nights a week I need to do this with a crammed-in 30 minutes to take your phone calls, your texts, your tweets, and whatever else you've got to say to me, and I can take it. I'm a big boy, and I will tell you right now, I will rarely put a finger in your chest and say, I'm right about this, or I damn well know this. It's not really my style. I'm going to tell you what I hear in the locker room, what everybody else in the media tells me, the behind-the-scenes things, the whispers. That's what 23 years of covering the Cowboys will get you. It'll get you a little more perspective from me than you have because I'm able to be there, period. And I will share it with you, and I'll do my best to tell you. And the other thing you know is I'm from Kansas City. I'm not rooting for this team. I'm not a homer for this team. I'm not a shill for Jerry Jones. I'm just here doing a job that I damn well love to do. And to be doing it with Tim Indycarham and Colby Sapp and John Gerber and all the people that work here, J.P. Peterson and, and Tito Thidoff in Ohio is, is a great honor. This is the where the world is going. It's streaming. It's content. It's internet. It's what you want when you want it. And we are going to put pieces of our shows out everywhere, and you'll be a part of them. It's off of the helmets. I'm Brady Tinker. Thank you so much for listening today. I cannot wait to get this going. Hang in there with your Cowboys. Believe me, there's a chance I'm completely wrong, but we'll have some fun.